Well, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians and to the Gospel of John. We are continuing our series entitled God Is. In fact, we just passed the halfway mark of the year, and as I shared last week, our emphasis for these next three months is going to be on learning to serve like Jesus served. And so we're in the midst of a year-long series called God Is, and we've been asking the question this year, who is God? In looking at Scripture to understand the nature and the character and the, the work and the purposes of God, with, with the intent of stripping away any assumptions or preconceived ideas that we would have that might not be accurate, so that we can fully embrace and understand who He is, and then model our lives and follow His example. In fact, that's going to be our theme today, is really looking at following the pattern that Jesus sets for us and the example and the model that he sets for us. So I, I hope you've had a great week. I, I pray this weekend that you're well rested. I'm going to encourage you for the next few minutes. Would you just quiet your heart before the Lord and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you from his word today? Well, you all understand this, that we learn in a variety of ways, that there's different methods through which we learn. And of course, we, we go to school. That's, that's a huge part of our learning experience. Our education is, is being in the classroom. Uh, we learn through reading books, uh, through watching TV, media, or, or uh, watching videos online, or uh, sitting through tutorials. Uh, one of the ways that we learn is just through trial and error, trying things and see if it works. And if it doesn't, uh, then figuring out something else. And of course, we learn through our experience, through the things that we walk through in our lives. Well, one of the best ways that we learn is this. It's to have someone show us, to have someone show us, to, to have them model us, to not just for them to just tell us, but to actually observe them doing something, watching them, uh, and then and then us jumping in and doing it ourselves and, and having that teacher, that instructor, uh, that master watch over our shoulders and give us uh, instruction as we go and give us direction. And the goal here is that we would emulate someone's behavior, that we would watch what they do and then copy that behavior. And for, for parents, you understand this, that this is a huge part of parent, parenting, that we understand our kids are constantly watching uh, our behavior as parents and then modeling or emulating that behavior in their own lives. I, I love this phrase that more is caught than is taught. More is caught than is taught. That the, the eyes of children are constantly on their parents and, and they're learning by watching what we do and then follow that example. And more than a few parents have been surprised when they see their kids, and, and I'm in the same boat, I've had this experience, watching my own kids start copying my behavior, which when I, when I would do things, well, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but to watch my kids do it and realize, oh my goodness, my kids, their eyes are on me, their eyes are watching, and not only to see what I do, but to then follow that example and so from childhood, we realize that this is a key part of our learning experience. It's not as common now, but 
for a long time, especially at uh, the earlier part of the last century, apprenticeship was a huge part of learning a trade. That you didn't just go to college or university, but that you would then study under someone and learn from them. Uh, a few fields are still like that. A lot of uh, fields or, or vocations that are more hands-on and welding or, or plumbing, but, uh, but also for, for doctors, that uh, doctors will do a residency, which is an apprenticeship of sorts. But the earlier part of last century, pretty much anyone in the, in the working field uh, went through some kind of apprenticeship where they sat under the tutelage of a master, someone who they watched and observed in the workplace and then would start emulating and copying uh, that trade until they got to a place where they were proficient and then them, they themselves would bring someone under their wing and teach them as well. What we have in the life of Jesus and in the Gospels is really the ultimate example of a master who we're called to follow, the ultimate one that we're supposed to emulate his behavior, that we're supposed to look at the life of Jesus not just to learn about him, not just so that we can have facts and knowledge about his life, but then to actually do the things that he did and follow his example to, to uh, even as Jesus said, and as we'll see today, that Jesus calls us to, to model in our lives the things that we saw and see in his life. And so we have to keep exploring and keep asking this question, who is God? Who is Jesus? How did he live his life? Why did he do the things that he do? And, and we have to look beyond our assumptions and understand why Jesus did the things that he did. And, and the great thing is with Jesus is that very often he just made it plain. He, he tells us plainly, he tells the disciples, he tells the crowds plainly, this is what I'm calling you to do. And so our job is then to say, okay, then how do I live that out? And so I want to look at this from two viewpoints uh, in Scripture today. The first is going to be in Philippians chapter 2, and it's the perspective of Paul looking back uh, at the life of Jesus. And then we're actually going to go to John 13 and hear the words of Jesus himself uh, about what he's calling the disciples and by extension what he's calling us to do. So we're going to start in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. I want to read these words that Paul writes. He says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, uh, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul's encouragement here is clear. His admonition is clear. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. When it comes to how we interact with each other, our, our ultimate example, our ultimate model, our ultimate, ultimate teacher here is the person of Jesus Christ. 
Paul says that we shouldn't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, that we should engage with each other in a, in a way of humility, that we should value others above ourselves. Now, I don't know if you've noticed in the world lately, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people valuing and putting others above themselves. It seems like the world is very fixated on what's best for myself, what's best for me. It's about my world, my rights, my needs, my wants, and, and that really everyone else is around to serve that, which couldn't be more opposite to what Paul is saying here, that we need to serve, that we need to put each other's, value, each other's interests and needs above ourselves. And then Paul goes on to say, and so here's the model we follow. We follow the example of Jesus. We need to have the same mindset as Jesus. Who did what? What did he do? Well, he humbled himself, that he stepped out of heaven and into creation, that he left everything that, 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 was, that made him what he was as one of the as a deity, as, as a part of the Trinity, that Jesus was present at creation. He was there. He was a part of the forming of Adam out of the dust of the earth. He was part of speaking creation into being. And now the Creator steps out of eternity into His own creation. He humbles Himself. It's, Paul says that, that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. This is, an, this is an amazing statement because Jesus is God, yet he, he steps out of that and into humanity, into this world, not for his own advantage. That Jesus didn't come to earth for his own advantage. He didn't gain anything for himself. He came to serve. He came to reach us. He came to reach those who are far from him, those who are broken, those who are stuck in their own sin. But, but there was nothing that was added to his glory. There was no personal advantage for Jesus. In fact, it was great cost. And Paul goes on to say this. He says that Jesus made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. It was a choice. He made the choice to become nothing. And he took on human likeness, the nature of a servant. Here's God becoming a servant. He empties himself and takes on human likeness. And it says that being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. That Jesus was born into this world ultimately so that he could die so that he could pay the ultimate sacrifice, the death, the, 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 the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And Paul says that not only did he, was he obedient to death, but obedient to death on a cross, that he died the most violent, humiliating, shame-filled death you could die in that time for us. This is the humility of Jesus. So let's turn our attention to what Jesus says in John 13. Here's a little context before we read this. We, we find this account in John 13. It's the upper room. It's during the Passover. 
Uh, it's, the, it's, about, it's right before Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas. It's right before Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. The cross is imminent. Jesus knows what's coming in the next few days. And so he's sharing this meal with his friends, with his disciples in the upper room. And here's what it says, starting in verse 3 of John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the, the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What a beautiful picture. This picture of the upper room. And, you know, there's the, the famous painting of uh, the, the Last Supper and in that, in that painting, Jesus is depicted at the middle of the table with the disciples to his left and to the right. And, and that's, I'm sure that was a part of that meal. But I feel like this moment is really the, the, the key moment in the upper room. It's this moment when Jesus models for the disciples and for us what his life was all about. And so I'd like to go through this passage just a few verses at a time and unpack a few things for us to understand from what Jesus does here. So in verse three, it says that Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was. His identity and his purpose were secure. See, what follows is not a mistake that John writes this to remind us that the, the events in this moment, the things that Jesus does, were not a mistake. There was not a momentary lapse. That it was incredibly intentional. That Jesus' acts in this moment must not be underestimated. That this is a, a, a watershed moment in the kingdom of God. It is a watershed moment for us as followers of Jesus as we look at the scripture and understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus knew who he was. He understood that he was God, that he was the, the son, that he was the Messiah. He was the promised 
one. And, and he understood that he had the authority that Jesus had all things under his power and under his authority, that he had come from God and was returning to God. He had nothing to prove. And out of this, out of this understanding and out of this knowledge, what does he do? He gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing, wraps a towel around his waist, puts water in a basin, and begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And as he's doing that, he's drying their feet with the towel. This incredible display of humility and service is really mind-boggling. See, feet washing was an important part of the culture. People walked everywhere they went, and they wore sandals. And so it was customary when you would come into someone's house that your feet would get washed before you would come into the house. So you didn't track the dirt from the dirt roads and from your journey into a clean home. It was a sign of hospitality. A good host uh, would be hospitable, and when you were welcomed into the home, that someone would wash your feet. But here's the thing. The owner of the home would never be the one to wash your feet. There was always a servant. There was always someone who was subservient who would do the feet washing. It was a menial task. It was not an honorable task. It meant that you were the, the lesser person. You were the, the one with lower position. And so you would come in and, and a servant or, or someone with a lower position in the home would wash your feet. The master would never wash the feet of the students. The rabbi would never wash the feet of his disciples. And so what Jesus does here is turns things upside down. He turns the culture. He challenges the culture of the day. Can you imagine the surprise of the disciples as he gets up and he starts moving around the room, takes off his outer clothes, wraps around the towel, the towel around his waist, gets that bowl filled with water, and they must just be talking, whispering amongst themselves, what, what is he doing? And, and then when he would come to the first disciple and get on his knees and take their feet and start washing their feet, the shock, the surprise, the, Jesus, what are you doing? And so one by one, he starts washing their feet. So he comes to Simon Peter, I mean, Simon says to him and asks him this question, Lord, are you, are you going to wash my feet? And Peter answers the question in the question that his tone communicates. He says, Lord, there's no way. You're not going to wash my feet. And so Jesus responds to him and says, you do not realize what I'm doing. You don't understand, but later you will. And so Peter responds to Jesus and says, no. No, this is enough. And of course, it's Peter is the one who speaks up. No, this is enough. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus, this is not appropriate. This is not the way things work. But Jesus pushes back and he says, you don't understand. You don't understand. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So then Peter says, well, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus says, I want to do something here in this moment for you, Peter, that you, need, you don't understand in the moment, but you will understand 
And it's super important that you get this. See, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. But Jesus is saying, you can't miss this. This isn't just symbolic. Jesus is our Savior. He is the one who cleanses us. He is the one who washes us clean. And, and he washes us from head to toe. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we, we put our faith and our trust in him, when we ask him to forgive us, he does. He washes us from head to toe. But there's a humility that's involved in that. And Jesus says that if, if you don't let me do this for you, that you don't have a part for me, and that all of us come to a place where we have to humbly come and repent before Jesus and receive the forgiveness that he offers to say, Jesus, I'm wrong, and I need you to do this for me. See, and the problem is, is we want to work for it. We want to do something where we want to say, Lord, that I, I don't want to receive that. Jesus says, no, you need to receive from me this washing that I want to give. You need to receive it. But in here in this moment that Jesus is saying, Peter, you don't need your head and your hands to be washed. You, you're clean. You're clean. Jesus, Peter had a relationship with Jesus. And, and so Jesus is saying to him, you don't need to be saved all over again. But you do need your feet to be washed. See, in those times, it was what would happen is that the, the people would go to the ritual baths before they would go up to the temple. They, they would go and get themselves washed and clean and, uh, and then go up and present themselves before the Lord. But along the way, even their feet would get dirty. And so they would make sure to cleanse their feet once again as they, as they went into the temple or into a synagogue. What Jesus is saying here is that we don't need to get saved over and over again. That the work that he does when he cleanses us, when he forgives us, is a complete work. But he is saying this, that we need to daily repent, that there's that we need to examine our lives as our lives come in contact with the world around us, as our feet carry us through this world, that we would examine our lives and go, God, where are the, the places in my life that need to be surrendered to you? Where do I need to daily repent and invite you to wash those parts of my life that might be contaminated? And Jesus' heart for us, his desire for us, is that he would continually do that cleansing and that washing. So, of, of course, Peter goes from one extreme to the other, going, Lord, no, you, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, if, you, if I don't, you don't have a part of me. And so Peter goes from one extreme to the other, and he goes, well, then wash my head and my hands as well. How often do you and I, just like Peter, how often do we go from ignorant to expert in a moment? How often do we go from ignorant to expert in a moment? I think there are so many places in our lives where we read something, we learn something, we watch something, we read it on social media, and we go from ignorant to expert, and we feel like, man, I just, I've got that. I know it. How often in our relationship with Jesus do we feel like, I got, I got that. I understand. I know. And I think that the, the question that Jesus would ask us today is, do you understand what I'm doing? Do you understand how I'm working in your life? Really, the honest answer would be, God, I don't have a clue, but I want to learn. And that daily we would humble ourselves and say, Jesus, would you teach me? I want to learn from you. Just like Peter, 
we go from ignorant to expert in a moment, and Jesus has to say, no, you need to slow down. You don't have it. You don't got it. You need to wait. You need to wait on me. Learn from me. Watch me. Watch my life. See, hearing a few Bible stories isn't enough. Learning some songs isn't enough. That we would immerse ourselves in Scripture, that we would closely examine the life of Jesus. And then Paul says, as Paul says, that we would do as Jesus did. That we would follow his example. So in verse 12, says this, When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he, set us, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He didn't lower himself into this place of servitude and stay there. He, he both had the authority, but yet he humbled himself. And again, Jesus says, Do you understand what I have done for you? And the answer is probably no. They, they didn't fully understand what was going on, but he wants them to get it. And he says to them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. So again, Jesus affirms his position and his authority, that this isn't a mistake. He's saying to them, you know who I am. They're, they're far, off and far enough into the journey now. They know who Jesus is. And he says, because of who I am, that you know who I am, I need you to get this. I need you to understand the model that I am presenting, the thing that I am saying that you need to latch on to. He needs them and he needs us to really get this. He goes on to say in verse 14, because of who I am, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you, uh, have set you an example. He just says it. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the model we're supposed to follow. And anything that applies to the life of the master applies to the life of the student. Any, anything that applies to Jesus has to apply to our lives. And he says, I've washed your feet. Now you should wash each other's feet. Is he talking about the literal washing your feet? No, not at all. Now, he, he is telling them you need to humble yourself. And if part of that is that they would wash feet, great. But that's not the point. The point is Jesus saying, listen, I, I'm, I'm God. I'm the Messiah. Yet I've humbled myself, and I've washed your feet. I've, I've put your needs above my own. And you need to do the same in your relationships with each other. Remember, Paul said in Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Value each other above yourselves. Don't just look to your own interests. Look to the interests of one another. So feet washing is this cultural thing that we no longer do. Uh, we don't wash it. it. In fact, most of us would be like, it's just weird. I don't want to wash someone's feet. I've been a part of church services and God bless you if, if you love to wash people's feet. I, and, I, and I understand the symbolism, but I tell you what, I would rather follow the example of Jesus and practice this, practice this in my daily life than just do something symbolic. 
And that's really the heart here. Jesus is saying this isn't about doing something symbolic. It's about modeling our lives after him, patterning, patterning our lives in such a way that we would do the things that Jesus did, that he didn't consider himself too important to do this. He didn't consider himself to be too lofty. Remember, this is God. This is God in flesh saying, I'm willing to humble myself. And then he says, now you do the same thing. Follow my example. And he turns everything upside down. See, the kingdom of God is always going to be opposed. It's always going to push against the, 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 the things of this world, the cultures and the systems and the norms of this world. If the world says, hey, this is the way that it's supposed to be, it's probably backwards to what, what Jesus calls us to do and to be. We need to set aside our rights. We need to set aside our pride. We need to set aside our position. We need to set aside our entitlement. And we need to learn to serve like Jesus. We need to serve the way that Jesus served, that he didn't consider himself to be too important. That doesn't mean that we don't enjoy or embrace the rights that we have that we don't walk with a sense of pride of what, what God has done in our lives, that we don't function in the positions that God has placed us in, the authority that he has given us, and that, yeah, we are entitled to things as children of the Most High God, but we don't use those over people, as we talked about last week when Jesus reminds the disciples that you don't use your authority to lord it over people. You humble yourself and you serve Jesus came to serve and to give his life. So what about us? What does this look like? And I just want to finish today with this question. What does this posture of humility and service look like in your home? What does this posture of humility and service look like in your marriage, in your friendships, in your workplace, in your community? How is God calling you to live this out, to follow the model and the example of Jesus practically, not symbolically, not theoretically, but practically? What does it mean for you to serve like Jesus in your home, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your workplace, in your community, in the church? What does it look like? I feel like all of us have room where we need to step back and really get on our face before the Lord. Ask him to search our hearts, to expose those places where we've allowed the pride and the sinfulness of our lives to convince us that we're better, that we got it. Like we're Peter. We go from ignorant to expert. I got this. I got this figured out. How does that look like in our lives? How does that look like in our relationships? Is this being displayed in the way that we serve? And so with that, I want to turn to communion. We're going to close with communion today because it's the reminder of Jesus's ultimate act of service and humility. And I've used that word ultimate a few times today, but I've used it intentionally because the ultimate is the pinnacle. It's the peak. It's the, it's the very top. There is no, there's no better example of how to do this than the life of Jesus. And, and the ultimate part of that in, in Jesus's life was the fact that he went to the cross for you and for me, that he allowed his body to be broken and to be, be beaten, to be hung on that cross, to shed his own blood. And so I invite you 
to prepare those elements as we get ready to receive communion together. And Jesus, uh, Paul says of Jesus that being found, uh, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. He became obedient to death and even death on a cross. And as I mentioned, it was the most shame-filled, humiliating, and excruciating way that a person could die. It was designed to hurt. It was designed to humiliate. And here you have the God of all creation, Jesus who was present before the, the world was formed, the one who was there and was a part of the, the world coming into being, the same creator, the same God who took on flesh and now allows himself to be beaten and hung on a cross, to die a sinner's death on the cross for you and for me. See, this is how much he loves us, that he would give his body, that he would give his blood, that he gives us this example to say, I've done this for you, to cleanse you. And I would invite you, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, maybe you're listening to this today or watching this service today, and you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never heard this message, this good news before, and something's stirring in you. I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you are, are, are feeling stirred, if you're hearing this message and you, you're saying, I want that, Barry, I want that for my life. I want to receive what Jesus, I want to be washed from my head to my feet. I want to be cleansed. Then I, I've got good news for you. You can receive that today. In fact, if, if that's you, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask that you would become my Lord and my Savior and my King. I repent of my sin and I turn to follow you. I ask for your forgiveness and I commit to follow you and serve you the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, Bible tells us that heaven is celebrating and we're celebrating with you. I would ask that you would let us know if you prayed that prayer today and if you committed and surrendered your life to Jesus today, would you click the link? There's a link that's going to pop up in the chat section or if you're watching on another platform, would you let us know in, in the chat or the comment section or send us uh, an email at prayer at thriveglendora.org. We would love to just follow up with you and give you some tools that you can use as you start this journey with Jesus. And so Jesus gives his body and he gives his blood, he sheds his blood for us in this ultimate act of surrender. So let's pray, Jesus, we thank you today for your body that was broken for us. May you set for an, ask for an example, Lord, you set for us an example on how to serve one another. Lord, that there's no price too great to pay. No lengths, Lord, that are too far to go. For us, the Lord, to love the way that you loved us. And so we receive this body, this bread, the symbol of your body today with thankful and grateful hearts for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, let's receive the bread together.
Bible tells us that it's the shedding of blood that covers our sin, that washes us. And it's through Jesus' sacrifice and through the shedding of his blood that our sins have been forgiven, that we're cleansed. But this cup is also a reminder that daily we need to come to the Lord and ask him to examine our lives. And I would encourage you as we turn to the cup now, ask Jesus to examine your life. Are there places in your life that need to be cleansed? Your head, your hands, your body is clean. You've given your life to Jesus, but maybe there's parts of your life that have been in contact with the world. Maybe there's parts of your life that you've let slip. There's things and attitudes and 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 sins that you've engaged in that you've said, yeah, this is okay. That Jesus would say, I want to wash your feet. I want you to receive from me this cleansing. Your your body is clean, but there needs to be this 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 washing of your feet that needs to take place. And, and that Jesus would humbly do that for us. The cup is a reminder of that for us today. So Jesus, we come to the cup, thankful that you continually are washing and cleansing our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to keep coming back and asking to be saved over and over, that your work was complete at the cross and at the empty grave. But Lord, that we are a work in progress and that there are parts of our lives, Lord, that need to be addressed. And we come before you with repentant hearts and ask for your forgiveness in places, Lord, that are out of line with what you, you have for us. We receive now, Lord, this cup with grateful and thankful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. So what does this look like for you today, this week? Would you serve like Jesus? Would you go now and would you bless the people around you? Would you... Uh, find ways, ask Jesus to show you ways that you can be a blessing in your home, in your marriage, to your kids, to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to people that maybe you can't engage with in in person right now because of restrictions, but maybe an encouraging text, something that you can do to reach out and be a blessing to those around you. Follow the example of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. So glad that you're here. Have an amazing week. I encourage you, invite someone to join you for service next Sunday, and we'll be praying for you. God bless you.